Okay. Good morning, people. Sunday morning, 8 o'clock. This is uh, Buddy's owner, Arizona Schnoodwalks. And we're in Arizona, and it's damp. One of these rare, rare times a year. We get a little rain. It's a little chilly out, too. What do we got for a temperature? It's uh, 58. Ooh. Wow, let's see what we got this morning. Oh, man, it's supposed to be raining soon. But we better get going. I didn't check the uh, radar, man. This might be a quick podcast, a 25-minute podcast maybe, bud. Huh? I didn't check early enough because I didn't think it was going to rain. A little drizzle. And uh, I'm pretty ambitious this morning. I want to get back from the walk and sit down at my desk and do two hours of writing, maybe four Pomodoros, and just write like 5,000 words. Maybe I, I don't know if I can get 5,000, but maybe I get 4,000. But yeah, I got it. I want to keep the momentum going. A writer's life. I don't know what it is. I'm I'm doing it right now. How do you become a writer? You just, I guess you just got to do it, right? Uh, so that's what we're going to do, write. I don't know if I had an early premonition about this. I had no uh, desire to ever really write. Uh, and, uh, But I think I may have gotten an early indication of well certainly how I feel about writing and it's just my core element so be my authentic self because I was already oriented early on to science mathematics engineering and uh, you know it seemed like the right thing to do it was comfortable, right? And so I was kind of clever and kind of felt comfortable in that zone. But as they do in high school, they kind of force you to take English classes, which was always my kind of like, eh, oh, do we have to? Do we have to do English? And uh, I had this, I don't know, it must have been junior year maybe. And it was Mr. Crouch, C-R-O-U-C-H. And he's kind of energetic guy. And probably in his late 50s, teaching English. And I always, well, maybe it was arrogance or just kind of uh, naivete, thinking like, well, dude, I can talk. I know how to speak English. I'm studying some French. French is more interesting to me than, than English because, like, don't I know English already? Do I not know this already? Oh, and you want me to become really good at writing? Oh, okay. Oh, like, like that's uh, really hard. I must have had some kind of like attitude. Like, well, come on, man. We're supposed to, aren't I supposed to also learn French? And I can't even, I can't even like figure that out. 
And now, now you want me to like go deeply into like writing stuff and we're going to read some old book for some dude and like, okay, some other dude wrote something 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Great. This is like my attitude towards English, right? So, but I did I have one memorable writing assignment. I wish I kept it. And I don't even know what the subject was, but it was very much an early sign of my smart ass abilities. Probably putting me out on an outlier level of being a smart ass. And I think you know my opinion about being a smart ass. I mean, when you first hear, oh, this guy is just a smart ass, right? It's usually a derogatory term, right? And I sort of, I sort of probably fit the description in some ways, but it's all definitions, right? It's all nuanced behavior, nuanced thought. Like most people don't want to be, oh, I'm not a smart ass. I deny it. I'm kind of like embracing it. And, I, and I've come up with my workaround on the smart ass concept. So I, I think that's probably a good title for this podcast. We'll call it being a smart ass. Maybe it's being that. I, I don't know. If, maybe I'll just call it smart ass because I'm not being a smart ass. It's just who I am. I mean, but it's just, and it's not even who I am. It just forms part of people's perceptions of me. So my reasoning or excuses or a little play with that is, okay, you want to call me a smart ass? Okay. Well, just remember, I'm like 90% smart and only 10% ass. Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's me. That's how... What, what would you expect someone if they truly are a smart ass? How, how do you think they're going to, how do you think they're really going to respond to that? Right? Like you, there's this vague terminology, like, oh, this guy's a smart ass, but it doesn't, I mean, how, how can one word represent a human being? Right? So I'm starting to become more self-aware about how much of a smart ass I am. Whatever that is. So you can't, you can't, you can't use, what do they say? There's something about it. You can't use the term and the definition of the term or something, you know, something cool like that. So, um, yeah, but I kind of like the concept of if you have some smart asses in your life, just like give them some break, give them a break and just go, okay, you're probably 90% smart and only 10% ass. But what do we notice? We notice the 10% ass. Yes, that's what my thought is. It's like, lighten up, people. It's only 10%. Don't forget the 90% smart thing. So you can probably Gaussian distribution that thing if you want. Like have a scale of, you know, how, who's the who's an outlier on being a smart ass, right? There's a whole group, group of people. The average person has some element of smart ass in it right so anyway so back to my high school english paper you thought i would forget that right i mean you're thinking like wait a minute you were talking about high school english and i and i love high school english and and you're you, you're leaving me hanging and what, what was it what was your read it what was the writing what was the what's the story what's the story with english you know and uh yeah you probably thought oh shit, he's forgetting about that again he's going on a freaking tangent about smart ass 
and he's not going to finish the story about the English teacher, Mr. Crouch. So I wrote some paper. I, I really wish I kept it. I don't know where it is. It's just, I, I'm sure it's gone and lost. But the memorable moment was I wrote this shit, whatever I wrote. And, it, you know, you got to picture yourself in a high school classroom with, I don't know, the graduating class is probably like 2,500. So suburban Chicago high school full of bun- a bunch of other smart asses where every every kid is trying to be out smart ass another one <laughs> but if they only knew that there was some refined thoughts on the smart ass you know because it's not just one characteristic in the smart ass there's the smart part of the characteristic and then the ass part so I think the general public gets it confused. They just think there's one element to the smart ass, but there's actually two smart and ass. Okay. So back to high school. So I turn in this paper. I forget about it a couple weeks later, a week later. I don't know how long it was, but um, Mr. Crouch is standing up in English class. And I'm looking at these people. Most of the kids, I have to take this class. So it's not people I really know because I'm taking physics and math and um, stuff like that, right? So everybody has to take English. So this is a classroom where I'm out of my element, right? I'm kind of like, I got to go do this. This is not fun for me. I mean, I didn't think it was fun. I try to make it as fun as possible, of course, right? So anyways, so I turn in this paper. I forget all about it. He's handing out the papers. And he makes an announcement to the whole class. He's like, well, out of all the one, you know, page essays, one made me laugh my ass off or something. I didn't say his ass off. <laughs> and, and it probably is like the foreshadowing of how I do Twitter. Uh, because I don't know, I, had, I must have had some kind of, this is before, like word processing too. So for some, you know, now you can say, okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. Yeah, so we don't have Microsoft Word, you know. There is no, I mean, Bill Gates is probably like like 22 years old at this point, right? So so Microsoft's not invented. Steve Jobs is probably messing around in the garage with his Apple computer. So basically everything's done by hand. It's all writing, piece of paper, line paper, Right. So you're you're constrained to your writing to pen and paper. So that's that's the situation. That's key to the story. Because I don't I don't know what the subject was, how it was what we were supposed to write about. But what got the teacher to laugh, which you know, got my attention and got my endorphins going which is my only English class memory ever, was I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, okay, well, the teacher's going to talk about one of his favorite papers. And I'm like, well, shit, that can't possibly be me because it can't can't possibly be, be my piece of shit paper, right? But it was my paper. And... I was like sitting there going like, holy shit, he thought what I wrote was funny, you know? 
And all I did was, is I wrote this story. I have no idea what it was about. But the kicker was the last line in the story. So I wrote, and you got to remember, this is no word processor, right? So uh, this story won't make any sense in today's world for you youngsters. If you're not a boomer, if you're not an okay boomer. So I'm writing this story, writing the story, writing the story, and I get down to the bottom of the page, and I, I just, it had to fit just, just perfectly, okay? So the last line of my essay at the bottom of the page was C over, right? So if you remember writing on a piece of paper that... Uh, there's two sides to a piece of paper, right? So you start out reading, reading, reading. And quite often at that time, you would write C over at the bottom because like you have more to say, right? You have, you're going to finish your story on the other side. But somehow, I don't know where this shit came from. It was like totally on my own, in my dreams. I don't know where the hell I wrote this stuff. But I wrote C over and it was like a perfectly flowing story up to that point. It was like, and then it got down to the end and it said C over. And then the teacher's like, I guess I got him excited. Like he's go, oh, this story's going great. You know, C over. And he flips it over and it's a, it's a blank page. There's nothing there. Right. So it was a total setup that I just like, I don't know where I got this from, but it, it was just, <laughs> so here's this English teacher that's been teaching probably thousands of students over the years. And I got a huge laugh out of it. And it was, and he probably, you know, I did see him after that, like in a while or something, I can't remember. And he has some interesting theories about life. And I really probably should have spent a lot more time with him. But he wasn't a nerd. He wasn't a mathematician dude or a, a science guy. And so I probably really missed out a huge opportunity by not asking myself, well, what was that? Was that, is that some kind of sign that I should be a writer or something? Because I totally missed it because I'm like, no, I'm math. I'm science. I'm engineering. I'm doing that. And uh, I probably just like totally missed my calling. In, in high school, but I, but see that I, it wasn't planned. It just came naturally. The the C over thing, and maybe maybe oh that's a better name for the podcast. C over. <laughs> what, what was I going to call it? Smartass. Well, well, we'll put that in the subtitle. I'm just going to call it C over people. And so for you non boomers, you'll be like, huh, C over. That's interesting. Hmm. But that that's it. I don't and why did I, I don't know why I'm walking bud, so I got it and I guess I'm thinking about writing because I'm like, why am I writing? What 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 am I why am I why am I writing? Why do I have something to say, right? And a book is the only way I can organize my thoughts in a cohesive manner. Uh, I mean this is why I think I need to write this book, is because I have lots to say. But it's all over the place. I'm all, if you've been listening to this podcast, I'm all over the board, you know? 
and I think it's authentic. Like I said, it's probably the most authentic podcast you'll ever listen to. And uh, I'm not selling you anything, you know. You know, I did. I did have a call to action yesterday, which was to go buy some kiwi fruit, and uh, hopefully, some of you have done that. Go buy some kiwi fruit and marvel. Bring it. I'm bringing it back from. I'm bringing it from like 1977, uh, maybe. 1977, people. You, yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about death. <laughs> I have a friend who I've known. I don't know. I say, I say a friend and I'm like, I don't, do I really have any friends? Because <laughs> like, I think I demand too much of people. So they can't be my friend because I demand too much from other people. Emotionally, I want to go deeper. People don't want to go that deep. People, people don't want to go that deep. Well, there's 7 billion people on the planet, so... There's probably some of you that are like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm interested in people. I want to, what the hell's going on with this guy? He's walking his dog. What the fuck? You know, (laughs) who the fuck does he think he is? And I'm like, I'm Ward, Mick Ward. (laughs) And you're like, what the fuck is he talking about now? It's Bond. I'm Bond. James Bond. You know, yeah, that's me. I'm Ward, Mick Ward. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, what the fuck? So it's uh, writing. So I have to write because I have. To, I need some discipline in my communication. And what is the hell is my message, right? So that's what I'm doing. It's, it's kind of a fascinating journey. All my bullshit on here. Is it really bullshit, though? Never had so much bullshit in all my life. Yeah, that's that's like the first level response to this. Like if you're not that deep, you know, like so I'll insult the listeners. So if you're listening to this and you go like, yeah, I kind of resonate with that. Like, I never had so much bullshit in all my life. If, you, if you're with Nigel Lambert in his bucket, the Nigel Lambert bucket of my market, which might be, 30% of the world. <laughs> Maybe it's 90% of the world is in that bucket. The Nigel Lambert bucket. Because I don't have your attention. I got to get your attention, right? What, what's in it for you, man? What's in it for you? And what's the now what? After all this wonderful listening to the podcast, now what? Well, the now what is walk in the spirit, my friends. Walking in the spirit of the gift of life. And people could tell you, like, oh, yeah, you got to increase. You got to have more gratitude, man, in your life. You got to, you know, what are the, you know, you got to have five things about this. And what are the three things like this, you know? No, it's just one thing. Walk in the spirit. And what does that mean for you? I don't know. It's up for you to find out. So, Yeah. I need to write, get it down. So, because most people aren't gonna don't have the patience to follow, because we and we have less and less patience now for everything. 
Snap judgments, baby. Get to the point. What do you want? Rant, rant, rant. All very interesting. All very, very interesting stuff. And the, the lack of patience in general with people. I'm not going to change that. You know? I can't fight that trend. But there's also other trends. That's not the only trend. Another trend is that uh, the world is getting connected through computers and electronics and technology. So I have a local friend here who's into theater. Like that's not something that I'm into, theater. But he's probably spent his whole life, his main hobby is directing and leading uh, theater. His uh, eldest son is in Broadway and does theater, does other artistic things. So there, that's their family. It's like totally different from my experience, way out of my wheelhouse. But for some reason, I don't know why, he's over in the Philippines right now. And he's on Facebook and he's throwing up some pictures and videos from the Philippines. And this he lives within a couple miles of where I live here in Phoenix. And so I'm just looking at that and I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. I didn't, I didn't know he was going to go to the Philippines. I don't know what he's doing over there. I don't care. I mean, in some respect, I'm interested, but I'm not, that's not my number one thing. I'm just like giving him some positive feedback. Like, hey, cool. That, that looks like, that reminds me of being in San Diego uh, when it's like 120 degrees in Phoenix and we all escape. Not all, but many of us will, will look for an opportunity to escape to San Diego to cool off. So we, um, except for he's in Philippines. I think he's doing some kind of training class. So I don't know. He's probably been doing the entrepreneur things for 30 years quietly. That uh, I don't even know what he's doing. It does. I, I know mostly from going to see some of the musicals he's produced. Local theater, man. Yeah, local theater. Arts. I'm such an arts dude. So, yeah, so the technology, the connections, I mean, the dude, like he's hanging out with people in the Philippines. I was thinking, well, the world is getting more and more connected. There's like billions of us and we're getting connected. And it's about humility too, isn't it? You know, we're not better than the people in the Philippines. It's just, you know, they're, in fact, looking at the video, I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. It's, it's like looks like paradise over there and yet there it's a totally different culture and and i think the asian cultures are probably pretty mellow and they're not so stressed out so with our european you know drive 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 accumulate create develop you know we're connecting with other cultures so that's that's fascinating right Right? This, you, you have those experiences and connections in your own life with people. Probably on a Gaussian curve, like how well am I connected to artistic things? Probably not very connected. Like, you're, you know, you're listening and you're probably out on the distribution curve. Uh, so, learning from everyone. What can we learn? Are you learning anything from this? 
I don't know. It's uh, you decide what's uh, why you're here. I gotta go right. I'm trying. To, I'm gonna try to lead Buddy here. See if I can influence Buddy to go home, so that I can go sit down and do what I'm called here to do. And uh, as I go on my writer's journey, there's the temptation always is like think way down the road and get way, you know, get away, get over your skis. That's the old get over, get over, go over the tips of your skis, right? I guess that means like your center of gravity or your body is over your skis. So then you're going to wipe out because you don't want to get over your skis, right? So, uh, see over. <laughs> see over. What a blank page. That's deeply, deeply philosophical in some ways, right? If, uh, if the see over is you had expectations of, of everything being written down for you, Completing the story. Well, you can be, or as Princess Bride says, prepare to be disappointed. When you see over, and there's a blank page there, that's because it's up to you to write it. Right? So, reminds me of Soren Kierkegaard. Right? Soren Kierkegaard says... Life is best understood backwards, but must be lived forward. So we don't know what the future holds, right? And I think maybe we delude ourselves into security. We want security, we want security, but is is that security sure? I mean, nothing's sure, right? I mean, we... But maybe we don't want to look at it because we want, we our desire is for security. Come on, bud, let's go this way. I don't want to go all the way there. Time to go home. So um, we want security. We want things to be for sure things, whatever that means. But even when we attain them, then it's like a now what? I mean, it's good to have, uh, I was going to say goals, but I'm reading Scott Adams. And he talks about having systems instead of goals. And he's not the only person, I'm sure. And that's one of my revelations, too, is humbly hold my thoughts. Humbly, as in, there's nothing new under the sun, right? So, like, for example, King Solomon would say, well, yeah, Scott Adams, uh, systems are better than goals, that that's something that King Solomon could say. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's not that's not new. That's not new under the sun. You know. So those are core universal principles that systems are better than goals. And he kind of hammers that down. And I was gonna go back to like financial success and wealth, and that Scott Adams is like, well, when Dilbert, and then he became really successful with his book and 
he was just like, he said he, he got this huge check one time, some payout, and he looked at it and he's like, I never would have thought this would have happened. This huge check for Dillard. And he got disappointed. He was like, at that point, I was kind of like, is this it? Is this it? You know? And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, we're chasing and chasing, especially younger people. I've, I've been there. I'm still chasing stuff, right? So in all of our chases and pursuits, we eventually will get them. What's better probably is to have systems in place and see some progress, making movement, little steps to it. And in selling, it's like micro commitments, just little micro commitments. But that, that principle of micro commitment is true in so many levels. And uh, the principle of you don't have to get it perfect, you just got to get it going, which is pretty much this podcast. I got it going. It's definitely not perfect. Chuckle, chuckle from the crowd. And, uh, and yet, even with not being perfect, in some ways, I don't know, my God, I thought this is kind of good. It's kind of good, this is. <laughs> and I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not marking it, marketing it at all. So I, I was surprised this morning. I think yesterday's podcast got to listen to. So, but, and this is what's so funny. There's 7 billion people on the planet. So if you're listening, you could be in a Russian prison for all I know, or Chinese prison. And uh, who knows where you're at? You know, I don't know. You, you know where you're at. (laughs) I hope so. Anyway, do you know where you're at? (laughs) And, uh, so yeah, this is all, I kind of feel like I'm like weird mixture of Nitschke, Albert Camus, uh, Haydinger, hey, hey I don't know. I'm just making up some fancy names, some bullshit snobby philosopher names that people like to bring in. And I'm getting to the point of like, I'm getting to the point of like, well, these guys, it's great like to read their stuff, but like, don't try to read their minds. That's why I was getting pissed off at, not pissed off, but laughing, laughing at uh, N.T. Wright, who writes 1,600 pages uh, about Paul, the Apostle Paul, who on the scale of his 1,600 pages, Paul probably wrote, I don't know, 40 pages. I mean, the dude like is like over the top analysis. And even a book that's probably up 400 pages outside of the 1600 he already read, wrote. So he's up over 2000 pages on this guy. His comment about, well, you know, it's good to read Josephus and all that thing. So that we can sort of see what's in the mind of the apostle and then we'll really know what what he meant or what he's saying i'm like okay well how about before we started to psychoanalyze what he was thinking in his mind 
how about we just like, just take a moment to read what he wrote and see if we can figure anything out from that first, right? And since N.T. Wright, you could probably go down to your Marks and Spencers and buy a leather belt for some dress pants because you're going to go on tour in America. And you're going to walk into the Marks and Spencers and bump into a little old lady. And you'll chat with her because that's your English dude. You're so good at chatting. Oh, yes. And this little old lady was your mother's friend or something, and she's 90 years old now. And I would think you would admit that you probably don't even know what was in her mind or what she was thinking five minutes before you bumped into her. So how in the hell do you think you're going to figure out what Paul was thinking for 20 years when it changes like daily every hour. So <laughs> the absurdity of that thought process is what I think is so fascinating that, that his framework is I'm writing 1600 pages so that I can study, study, analyze the shit out of every, every situation going on around Paul so that I can really know what Paul meant. And I'm like, well, what's more likely? Is, is he starting from a pure, pure motive of research? And just like, oh, I'm going to look at all the evidence. I mean, people realize that the evidence he's dealing with, he's, he's looking at papers written in Greek and all kinds of shit, maybe even Hebrew. And he has to like plow through all that shit, process it in his English mind and spit out what he thinks Paul's thinking. Now, that's, a, that's a monumentous task, which I would even say is guaranteed for failure to really understand what the guy's thinking. And yet, very early on in his book, he proposes that that's exactly what he's doing. So it's almost like you can just like shut the book right there, dude. Sorry, you lost me right there. And this isn't a criticism of right because he's a real smart guy and I, I kind of like him. So. But isn't that the obvious way to look at it? Like what, what, what chance in hell does he have of really knowing? And then on top of that, or what, what the most likely, the Dilbert question, what's more likely? What's more likely is he already has an opinion about what he thinks Paul thinks. So now he's going to scour every piece of information and present you with 16 page, 1,600 pages of evidence about what he thinks Paul meant when he said this. But is it is it more likely that that, that he went into it with a clear blank mind and that what he presents as his discoveries are uh, not what he kind of was looking for to begin with. You know, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's moments in the 1600 pages, which will 
confuse you because he'll say things like, I, I bet you dollars to donuts or something like that, whatever they say, that um, they'll be somewhere in his book of 1,600 pages where he's going to say like, oh, well, um, Paul actually thought that circumcision was an okay thing to do. And when I started the research on this, um, I, I had no idea. I mean, I would have thought that Paul was against circumcision. But no, for the next 10 pages, I'm going to tell you how marvelous this information is that I discovered that Paul actually was not opposed to circumcising Gentiles. You know? And so, oh, all 1,600 pages are just filled with my innocent observations and learning new truths. You know? Just stick with me, people. There's 1,600 pages, people. And if you don't get hypnotized into a coma with all his pontificating, and again, I'm not criticizing, I'm just observing. And I honestly, in the next thousand years from now, I can't imagine there'd be more than 100 people that actually read through those 1600 pages. I mean, I'm sure he's selling the books. I mean, technically I bought it twice. I bought a Kindle version. And then I just got frustrated with the Kindle version. They'll go like, I gotta see how big this stuff is. I mean, <laughs> and so, so I bought a paperback version. And uh, it's huge, people. It is massive with dronings and dronings, kind of like this podcast, actually. So that's why I got to write a book of just 200 pages or 250, because does anybody really have that much to say of value, right? So I'm home and I need to go do what I'm here to do. So I'm going to go put my blinders on and get to work, okay? So nice podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope the what now for you would be, hmm, what do we decide we're going to call this thing? That's what's going to be smart ass. Oh, yeah, we're calling it See Over, okay? This is the See Over podcast. It's a throwback to writing on paper, which some of you, even if you're 20 years old, have probably written something on a piece of paper even if it's like Christmas card or something and you get to the bottom of the card and you just, you had one more thing. You're like, oh, I'm running out of room on the bottom of the card. Oh, I got, I got some more to say. I got more to say. And uh, you get to the bottom of the card and you go, see over, see over. So that's the what now for you. Thanks for listening to the podcast called See Over. And as you go on to your next journey today, whatever you're doing, you're actually doing the sea over of your life. How's that? Wow. And that all comes to you with lots of grace 
right, bud? And mercy and peace for you. So go have a great day. Bye.